Welcome to Popcorn History with the Freeborn County Historical Museum, Library, and Village. I'm Stephanie Kibler, Director at the Museum. Joining me is Risha Lilienthal, Collections and Exhibit Coordinator, along with Reggie Bauer, Operations Manager at Power 96. We are continually popping ideas at the museum, and these pops lead to great discoveries. Today's topics arose out of a conversation we had on cocktail history while featuring the dark and stormy, which Mm -hmm. led us to rifles and rainbows. Rainbows Rainbows and and rifles. (sighs) April is Tornado Awareness Month, and as we discovered, Freeborn County has seen its Fair share. Yeah. Um, not just tornadoes, but severe right. weather in general. But when you look at the tornado index, mm-hmm. as we were talking, um, I think the state average is like 135 oh. on the tornado index, um, which is a historical mm-hmm. index of weather in Minnesota, United States. Right. Um, Freeborn County is at 262. Yeah, mm. and between 1950 and 2019, there were 52 tornadoes in the county. Wow. Right? That's more, one. More like 14 of them just on that one day in 2010. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oof. That was a bad one. That's, uh, I've heard. <laughs> that's the first time that I remember, um, at least for this area, seeing the National Guard come in. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, there was National Guardsmen everywhere. <gasps> Even like you'd be driving down a country road. You know, I can remember going out by Beaver Lake in Steele County. And uh, hey, there's National Guards. They were blocking the roads because there were so many power lines down. Wow. Oh, no. So they were here for safety That's and to prevent crazy. looting, apparently. But well, Wow. Yeah. I, I know, right? Who knew? Looting what? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> anyway. So this actually, so as we were talking about this, then I had to go and I was looking at, um, call st- songs about storms, you know? So that's what, that was my inspiration in the background. Oh. I didn't realize I have a lot of favorite songs that have storms. Really? Yeah. Well, not favorites, but good songs. Sure. The Doors. Riders of the Storm, yeah, classic okay. song. Yeah, yep. Bob Dylan, "Shelter from the Storm." Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorites is Delta Ray, "Chasing Twisters." Ooh! So I recommend you listen well, to that one. When you say that, the one that comes to my mind is—I don't know if this is the title, but "Thunder Only Happens When It's Raining." Who sings that? Yeah. Let me type this up here quick. Oh, <laughs> I know the song. I yeah. know some of the lyrics. I can hear it in my head. Huh, that's interesting. I yeah, totally forgot about that right. one. But there's tons, so it was kind of oh, fun. Oh, it's like, Dreams you know, by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, that's... Fleetwood Mac. I should have known that. We play it on our oh station. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. It's Friday. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so this is interesting. In 1881, there was a movement in Freeborn County to establish a signal service system of benefit to farmers. That's a quote from Irv Sorensen, who did Aww. Highlights and Shadows. Um, It was proposed to shoot up rockets whenever weather bulletins were received in the villages. And rockets were to be of various colors. I love that. Representing different atmospheric changes to help farmers to anticipate the weather. Uh, And then Irv quotes, The science of agriculture promises to receive its share of attention. (laughs) Which I thought was great. But then I got to thinking, my God, okay. Whenever weather bulletins are received in the villages in 1881. Yeah. 
Yeah. How are they getting those? You're right. Are they like on horseback or something? (laughs) So I had to go and Google the Smithsonian Institution um, started in 1849 supplying weather instruments to telegraph (gasps) companies. Oh, um, to establish extensive an extensive observation network. Um, by the end of 1849, 150 volunteers throughout the U.S. were reporting weather observations to the Smithsonian. And wow. by 1860, there were 500 stations. Wow. Okay, wait, Telegraph, would that have been like Morse code? Yep, that's the one where they do oh, the little tappy-taps. Fun. And it beeps at you. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, here comes a weather alert. Oh, I got to go run light the <laughs> rocket. Uh, purple. <laughs> so let me ask you then, um, you know, light the rocket. Does that mean like the the exhaust or whatever, they would like have certain chemicals in there to make it a different color of smoke or something? I'm or? guessing yeah, so. Yeah, that would be my guess. I don't, yeah. And I, we, I, we found nothing that said this actually did come to, oh, to sure. fruition. Okay. But just the fact that they were thinking, they were about, thinking about it. an early weather alert system. Yeah. yeah. I, it sounds more fun than what we've got now. <laughs> You yeah, didn't have they, your your local TV weatherman or your phone or something. Or the, or the sirens, big, the big siren that yeah. goes off. I'd rather yeah. see a pretty color, you know. Yeah. Right. Oh, look, it's pink. <laughs> Does remind me a little bit of uh, WCCO up in the cities. They have their little like weather. They they like color code. They're th- on their building downtown Minneapolis. They do. I don't remember which color means what, but I know they have some sort of color coded light on their building oh, that cool. they. Put I'm out. so gonna send this to them. Yes. Yeah, maybe they can find something. Well, I'm just thinking. Um, ask them if this is where they got the idea for the <laughs> oh. color coding. <laughs> <on> the <building. laughs> That's so funny. I just thought that was a. It was um, really cool. Um, the fact that they pick colors. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to know, like, what color, like, what was what green, meant, what yeah. was blue, how did they... And if it was already raining or already, like, having the, the weather happen, could you still <laughs> see the colors? Oh, well, probably not if it was raining, because right. wouldn't it just yeah. wash it? Yeah. And how far? How big a rocket? <laughs> yeah. I don't Did it only cover a range of a few miles visual or right. it's just I thought that was really cool. That's and then really so like cool. if you had a telegraph and the next town didn't, did they have to watch for your rocket? And then yeah. they shoot off their own? They, oh, like, like lighting the fire like in the, Lord of the Rings, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the beacon. Gondor calls for aid. <laughs> the National Weather Service in Gondor has oh, issued no. a severe weather alert. <laughs> I feel like we always go Lord of the Rings or Well, it's iconic. Have we done have we done um we, Oh, we did Wizard of Oz. And we talked times. about Hunger Games. Hunger too. Games. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Uh, Funny. No, but then when you had talked about the different colors and the meaning different things, I I said, "Oh, weddings." And you looked at me like, "What?" <laughs> And um, that's because in the I, I'm really into like symbolism, especially in the Victorian era. And in the Victorian era, they had wedding dresses meant different things depending on the colors that they wore. Uh, because up until Queen Victoria, pretty much most women just wore like their Sunday best or uh, different colors depending on whatever they kind of wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and Victoria, she was married in. Uh, 1840 so before that they 
you know, they wore different colors. And even after that, they still wore different colors because everybody didn't hop on that train right away. Sure. But eventually came to pretty much everybody wears white because of Queen Victoria. Yep. Um, Wouldn't you, if, like, if I was getting married now, I'd like to be, like, non-Victorian and do something crazy. <laughs> do you have a color that you'd want to wear? I think rainbow. Ooh, oh, you go rainbow. You Why go. not? Whoa. Might as well. Just, like, have you seen that, like, iridescent wedding dress? That, Why like, not? It just, like, it, it glows in different colors <laughs> in the dark. I think and that's like, super cool. Okay, loaded with ruffles, yeah. just like flamboyant it <laughs> up, <Yes>. right? <laughs> um, but in the 16th and 17th centuries, girls in their teens would be married in a pale green as a sign of fertility. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, and this, I, a, a mature girl in her 20s <laughs> uh, wore a brown dress, and uh, then older women wore black. Well. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, given the way my last marriage ended, I can see black. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then in from the Saxon times into the 18th century, um, poorer brides would wear white because they saw it as a public statement that she brought nothing to their marriage. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awful. That's terrible. Um, but then once it got to kind of Victorian times, uh, they had, they used to do these little like rhymes and stuff that connected with weddings. And so the color of the gown was thought to influence one's future life. And so white meant they chose right. Blue meant love will be true. Yellow, ashamed of her fellow. Jeez. Red, wish herself dead. (laughs) Black, wish herself back. Gray, travel far away. Pink, of you he'll always think. And green, ashamed to be seen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Some of them are so terrible. So which color would you pick? (laughs) Oh gosh. I mean, my favorite color is blue. That works. I mean, and that one's a nice one. Love yeah. will be nice true. That's you know? a nice one. And that, um, then I have a few of our dresses that we have in collection. I kind of pulled some of those. Um, so the first one I looked at was a blue one, and um, it was a royal blue velour dress. Ooh, velour. Yeah, it was worn by Dorothy Swanson when she married Walmus Raymond Demmer on September 29th of 1937 so you know way past the victorian time but it was at heartland lutheran church and they were married by reverend jacob wolfsburg um the the dress has gold leaves with silver jewel ornamentation down the sides and we're gonna display we're gonna start displaying some of these oh yeah i'm excited for that yeah we have quite a few lovely pieces um But there was also another little rhyme that they had where it said, um, Mary on Monday for health, Tuesday for wealth, Wednesday the best day of all, uh, Thursday for crosses, Friday for losses, and Saturday for no luck at all. (laughs) That explains something too. (laughs) Yeah. But the Sabbath day, so Sunday, was out of the question. Hmm. And it kind of still is. You don't see a lot of people getting married on a Sunday. I don't think I actually, I think I've seen one 
Sunday wedding my entire life. I think one of my one of my cousins got married on a Sunday, and it mm. was confusing to me because I was like, "Isn't this a Saturday thing?" <laughs> and now I got friends that are getting married on all different days of the week. Yeah. Now, right. But I'm sure yeah. that's pro- partially because of COVID. But mm-hmm. Friday night, I remember my first Friday night wedding. I thought this is weird. Work <laughs> all day and go have to been a wedding. That, right. but I I I think I've mostly been to Friday weddings. Huh. Yeah. Um, but this Dorothy Swanson with her royal blue velour dress, she was married on a Wednesday, so that was the best day of all. And she also wore blue, so love will be true. So she had a very nice nice wedding dress and wedding day, I guess. Wow. Um, we also have a, a black dress, a black wedding dress in our collection that was Solvig Peterson's. She does Hardinger, Hardinger, Hardanger, Hardanger, and she was in an article in the Albert Lee Tribune in 2019 uh, about her Hardanger. Wow! And um, so she, which is like a needlepoint. Yeah. Yep. And she gave us this black wedding dress, which I also saw. Um, black was especially popular in Scandinavia for wedding dresses. Hmm. So um, I don't think she wished herself back. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> but you don't know. I don't know. That's very true. We do also have a green wedding dress, which that one was a shame to be seen. <laughs> um, and she got married on a Tuesday for wealth. But um, the wedding dress was worn by Anna Rofschus. I'm not sure how to I can help you. It's R O F S H U S. Yeah, that's how Rough-ish. I would. That's how I would pronounce it. Um, she married Alfred Lincoln Kvenvold on June nineteenth, nineteen hundred. So she had a green dress that had a lot of cream kind of pieces connected to it, and it had this. It's kind of cool boning in the front too Ooh. that it has. Um, yeah, that one we recently got in too. I was excited about that one because we also have her daughter's wedding dress, which is pink. Oh, fun. Pink is of you, he'll always think. And she was married on a Sunday. So, you know, she's out of the question. <laughs> so we're talking about doing a clothing exhibit. Maybe yes. our first one should just be wedding dresses. Yeah, that would be really fun. Because it'll be around that time of year yep. that weddings are popular. Mm-hmm. That could be really cool. Yeah. And um, this one, the pink one, her name was Hazel. She was... Uh, married in 1928 and it looks really 20s Mm. it's got like a sailor top it's like in two pieces it's really cute Mm. it's really fun we also have her shoes fun for a lot of the wedding dresses we have we have their matching shoes that they wore with it which i think is really neat yeah did hazel marry she oh gosh i didn't have that written down you got me i'd have to look Hmm. i was just curious i have an aunt hazel Aww. I had an aunt, a great aunt Hazel. Do you know sure. if her maiden name was Kvenvold? I um, I'm gonna guess no. <laughs> I would think I would remember that. Would but she have been married in the late twenties? Do you think? Uh, possibly. Oh, hmm. so maybe. Not well, like there weren't a dozen Hazels around. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We also do have a, a tan suit, so that's not a dress, and it's tan. So I don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> Um, but Breaking she was, all the rules. yeah, <laughs> Cleo Sandcamp. She was uh, married in the 1950s, and she wore a suit. She wore a suit. Can you imagine that? She, I mean, I bet you she was the talk of the town. Yeah. Can I ask, was Sandcamp spelled with a K? Yes. 
I had, I, maybe he's still there, but back in Hastings, one of the gym teachers we had was Mr. Sandcamp, oh. and he was pretty cool. <laughs> nice. What was it? Oh, no. She married a Gerald Brown, so I, maybe it was her sibling's child. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a, a nephew, a niece. Yeah, but they both ended up living in Freeburn County their whole life. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you popped out the, the wedding idea, and I... <laughs> Must have been a dark day because I went to shotgun. (laughs) As in shotgun wedding or Uh, or shotgun to solve this issue? I went to shotgun wedding, but gee, Richie. And it really, I wasn't even thinking shotgun. We we have... um, uh, we had we just got this in mm-hmm. not that not like days ago right. weeks ago week ago um, we got in and I don't know how to say this last name we got in a Japanese rifle with a bayonet from Harlan Tuchtenhagen I was thinking Tuchtenhagen Tuchtenhagen that sounds way better than what I said <laughs> we're gonna go with Harlan Tuchtenhagen. <laughs> Um, who who um, was serving in during World War II in Guam, um, and this Japanese chrysanthemum, the Japanese chrysanthemum was scratched off of the barrel, mm-hmm. so they used to have that emblem. Right. Um, so this is something he likely took off of a Japanese soldier yeah, and sure. then went on to use yeah. during World War II. Um, and then it also had the matching bayonet, which is kind of rare right. to, to find the two pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating. Um, and then <laughs> this was kind of a, and I don't think the Navy still does this anymore, but maybe they do. I, we should oh, look I into that. This is interesting that you have this little note in here that the Navy was the only branch that would take Harlan because he was colorblind. Yep. Hmm. He tried to go to every single other branch, but the Navy was the only one that would take him. Although I know the Marines take colorblind because I know a colorblind Marine. So maybe it's all changed. Maybe they take now. I wonder why. Why would you not take somebody who was colorblind? Well, if you have to fly, pilots can't be colorblind. Well, that would make sense. So airfare, Air Force would make (laughs) sense. Otherwise, my only other guess would be if it like, if it affects your ability to like shoot accurately or something. I don't know. You wouldn't think, but maybe. I don't know. I'm not colorblind. I don't know how it, <laughs> you know, because there's different levels of colorblindness, too. Yeah. Sometimes you just are only missing one color. Sometimes it's a whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that would be weird, wouldn't it? Well, maybe I, it's not because you've never had known anything different. You've right, always been right. colorblind. Yeah. It seems strange. Um, and so this, uh, it, and this is a really pretty piece. Yes. I mean, really, it's a really, it was a really nice in piece we got in. very good condition. Yeah, yeah. So eventually that will be on display. Yep. Um, sadly, when Harlan returned from the war, he died shortly after. He hmm. wasn't back home very long. Um, he died in a work-related accident on Easter Monday, um, and he left his wife, Lorraine, and two little boys yeah. uh, with her expecting a third child oh. um, right before his 29th birthday. Wow. That's young. Oh, yeah. isn't that awful? So you go through World War II. Right. Um, yeah. And he was an employee of the Interstate Gas Company, um, and two, he and another, another worker were asphyxiated uh, while they were working on a high-pressure gas line mm. serving the Hawthorne School at Albert Lee's North Edge. Oh, wow. Yeah, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They didn't. They started to search for the two after they failed to report in at the close of working day. Um, so kind of a sad ending there yeah. to, to that. Yeah. History. Uh, both men were. They says here in their early thirties, but Harlan was twenty-eight. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I thought I, uh, I thought this will be an interesting t- subject, and then I got done with it, and I thought, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Um, the interstate power company that he worked for, we have a nice photograph of uh, the annual picnic that they had for their employees that has Harlan and his son. And when his son was just, you know, a little like toddler, he's holding him in the back of that group photo. It's really sweet. Um, yeah. the, some nice photos came in yes. with that rifle. There mm-hmm. were really several that were quite, um, I thought, oh, I'll bring those along, but... Well, you can't see I it. Can't. I'm, I'm struggling with this. There's no video on a podcast thing. <laughs> well, yeah. But I get it. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Interstate Power Company, they... Um, I keep seeing these old photos, you know, of Albert Lee that had this huge, like, tower in it. And I never really knew what it was, but it was the... The, what is that? The Interstate Power Company. The, the power I'm, I'm tower? I'm waving my hand I at know. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just start throwing things out. It was the Flagstaff. The, no. the Smokestack? Is that what they called smokestack? it? Smokestack, yeah. Um, with, the, with the Power Company, their building, and that was built in 1922. <sighs> now I know where you yeah. I see the photo now. Yeah. yeah. The Smokestack. The, okay, yes. it was the Smokestack. <laughs> But um, they built that in 1922, and it was the tallest landmark at the time, other than buildings in the state. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, in 1922. And at about 1925, the Interstate Power Company um, bought the Minnesota Gas and Electric Company, and they took over that area. So that's where Harlan worked. Um, And they... For nearly five decades, they provided electricity for the mm-hmm. communities in the area. Yeah. And um, in the 1970s, that's when they kind of started going down and doing more um, standby, doing more of a standby basis with electricity. Sure. And in 1979, they made the decision to demolish the Albert Lee power plant and uh, move to another you know, location for things. Uh, but most people thought that they were going to uh, just implode the tall tower. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, that's just the, because. that's apparently the method that they used. They were just like, whoop, just implode it. But they were afraid that that was going to hurt the other buildings around oh. it, you know. Um, you know, just a slight miscalculation could cause some major damages. Right. Uh, so they decided to literally take it apart brick by brick oh no wow yep so the company that built it in 1922 came back to dismantle it wow yeah and so they put up a scaffold and yep brick by brick top to bottom they pulled it all down for several months that's incredible yeah wow (laughs) <laughs> I'm speechless. I like just be dumbfounded. I, I'm looking. I'm thinking the. Pi- I can picture the. You know, I've got the picture in my head, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking number one, tallest building in the state. Right. That's some scaffolding. Tall landmark. Yeah. <laughs> tallest landmark, landmark in yeah. the state. Okay, that's some scaffolding. Well, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and 
I mean, how long did it take you to climb up that scaffolding? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's that's Get a workout just and, going up once. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I swear I can see the 1970s uh, Interstate Power logo in my head. Oh. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm if it's right. But I feel like there was a lightning bolt and a <laughs> like a little guy with a light bulb head. Oh, and I don't know if I'm thinking of this right. Like a little stick man with a light bulb head. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Is he red? No. Oh. I'm thinking of a different guy. I don't think he was red. So I don't know. But in my head, that, that's just... Anyway, that's what flashed into my brain. <laughs> well, and I was thinking about the dentist mobile too, because he would plug into all of what the Interstate Power Company provided. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, it was, you know, we talked about it. We'll, we'll flash back to last podcast right. for a moment because we were talking about delivery methods, and and um, after that, I had found we have a uh, there was a a postal worker in Clark's Grove, a woman who was 27 years, she was the postal delivery person in Clark's mm. Grove. And I thought, that was another one. We could have touched on some of the... That's the, another delivery. The postal mobile. Yeah. <laughs> which but, could have a couple different meanings. Oh. <laughs> postal? Stephanie's <laughs> a little dark today. Going postal. Yeah, right? Shotgun <laughs> weddings. Yeah. And, oh, no. <laughs> rainbows and rifles. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's mouths are agape. Let's have some popcorn. Right. Yeah.